Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. This week's episode is brought to you by Grasshopper.com. Save $50 on your order at www.TryGrasshopper.com forward slash Paratruth. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views. And it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when you meet your view of the paranormal? Crosses paths with the Christian view. Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. So a couple of years ago, Justin and I had the privilege to discuss mental illness and its link to spiritual affliction. Most that we have spoken with have taken the side of spiritual affliction and claimed that mental illness can be healed through prayer and exorcism as opposed to conventional medication, which by some is believed to be a creation of the devil. Tonight, we visit the topic once again, this time with someone who has a much different perspective on the subject matter, who spends her time working with and helping individuals with mental illness. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, for those of you listening at TMV Cafe, Fringe Radio Network, Paranormal UK Radio Network and ParatruthRadio.com. Let's get ready to expose some lies. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Nancy Verdon. Nancy, it's nice to have you joining us tonight. Hi, it's good to be here with you, neighbor. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what that means, Nancy and I are both currently in Cleveland. We live here, so it's awesome that she has someone on in the neighborhood. Uh, doesn't happen often. It happens every once in a while, but not often. Yeah. Um, but we're actually, we actually had you come on to join us, uh, to discuss mental illness and basically spiritual warfare or spiritual affliction uh, and how the two may be connected or may not be connected. Uh, but before we get into that, I, I just want to give you a moment to tell us a little bit about your story and who you are. Well, certainly I will start at the present because that's happier. <laughs> <laughs> I'm presently, um, looking at I'm running a ministry, I should say, called Always the Fight Ministries. I write a lot. I do some speaking and do a lot of radio and podcast shows. And the whole point of it is to let people who struggle with mental illness, especially depression, understand that there's hope out there, that that it's not something that has actually disappeared, even though it seems like it. And Always the Fight Ministries also... Uh, touches on addiction and abuse as well. That is the good part, and <laughs> my personal life is great with my two kids, and they're all grown. They look like they might be about your age. <laughs> you look like they <laughs> may be about their age, anyway. <laughs> and um, I don't have I don't have any complaints right now, <laughs> which is great. However, if we go back into time, 
we are talking about a lifetime of struggle with major depression. The first incident that I can point to now, knowing what it is, knowing what it was that I felt back then, would probably be around 19 years old. And then it was actually diagnosed when I was 26, and I started to receive med medications for it when I was 44. So it's an interesting, interesting uh, little saga there. The worst of it was at the age of 49 when I actually attempted to take my life. And I'm 56 now, so you can all do the math. Um, <laughs> it was. Uh, it's been it's been a challenge, of course, obviously, but there's also been so much fruit that has come from it that is positive, that is uh, godly and spiritual in in a good way. So there's a, there's a lot going on. It's I am honestly surprised that it took them that long to give you medication because I was, uh, I believe, thirteen when they diagnosed me with depression and. Uh, a little bit of OCD, which Eric can talk about his little bout of with that, but, um, and, and they diagnosed me and got me on meds right away. So it's, was it something for you that you were trying to stay off of the meds at first or they just hadn't said, Hey, here's medication for you? I didn't know what I was dealing with. I had had episodes, but I thought I was bad somehow. And so when I saw this counselor, he told me that I had major depression, but I didn't, that had nowhere to go in my head. I had no definition of that. I had no understanding of what that meant, the biological side of it or anything. And so he said, I want to recommend that you go see a psychiatrist. And I didn't even know what that was for. So I said, no, that's not necessary. And that was the end of it. It wasn't pushed. It wasn't explained. Nothing. Okay. So mm-hmm. I was just kind of in the dark there. <laughs> okay. Well, now, during this struggle, at what point did you start to – I mean, I don't know when exactly you were saved uh, and became a Christian, but it, it, have you always been a Christian, or is there some point during the struggle where you realize there has to be something more and somebody led you to that? I was raised by a mom who was a very faithful believer, and I became saved myself at the age of 15. Okay. So it's been a long time, and since that time, it has been a wonderful growing experience. Uh, It's just uh, the one of the blessings, and you you are already seeing this, I'm sure, but one of the blessings of getting older is looking back, and the hindsight of what God's faithfulness has been is just amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we can both speak on that from because both him and I did start in a Christian faith. I was baptized as a Protestant. He was baptized Roman Catholic, right? Yeah. And we both kind of fell away from our faith for a time. Um, and actually, believe it or not, getting into the paranormal and doing a paranormal radio show prior to this one um, brought us back to faith. And Eric actually had much more of a faith than I did. I, I believed in Christianity. I believed in Jesus Christ and God. But he had a very big conviction in, in his faith, and he went to school for, uh, I don't, what would you call it, 
theological. <laughs> I like watching you struggle. <laughs> <laughs> theological studies is that yeah, what? Yeah, theological be? studies okay. ministry. Yeah. Um, so he, we both struggled with depression as well at that point. Depression. Uh, Eric has struggled with OCD for a very long time, and. You know, a lot of people would tell you that there there's a separation between the two. Some people would say that one affects the other. Um, in my personal opinion, a spiritual affliction can affect a mental illness, but it is not mental illness that is caused by spiritual affliction. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think, first of all, we have to be really certain. We understand who God is and who Jesus is and who the enemy is. So if we're going to talk about Satan, we have to understand that he's described as a lion searching for whom he may devour. Now, lions approach their prey by looking for the weak one, the young one, or the broken one that is trailing behind the rest of the pack. I don't know why Satan wouldn't be the same way. He's going to be more likely to hit us where we hurt, where we're weak. He's going to try and chase us down and use whatever limitations we have to destroy us completely. That's who he is. That's his whole goal is to destroy us. We have Jesus Christ who has broken the power of Satan. We have Jesus Christ who broke the power of death and who raised her to life as our intercessor, as our, as our guide he sent the holy spirit we have the supreme being god and jesus christ as our very in our very souls it says that christ is living in us if we've accepted him as a savior so that gives us some light on who who all is causing this uh, demonic activity and who has actually power over it you know we need to keep in mind that we're not victims here Mm-hmm. Now, as for how they they tie together, I believe that there is a weakness, you might say. I'm not sure if that's the right word to use. In our physical being, in our heart, not the spiritual heart. you got to be careful with these terms, right? <laughs> because you say heart, Christian's going to go, see, they're lost, they're sinning. Um, <laughs> not that heart. I'm talking about in our emotions, we can be very broken people. We can have have lived through a lot of harm and and be broken and and in that part of our hearts and in, and maybe in the biological part of our minds we have weaknesses and limitations just because we're human absolutely mm-hmm. so of course satan's going to jump on those and try to twist whatever he can twist why would he try to shake my certain faith that jesus is with me all the time I, I'm not going to say never, but he hasn't tried to whisper to me that, that I'm alone from Christ in years because I know I'm not. Mm-hmm. But he does whisper to me that I'm all alone in the human race and that I'm not wanted and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And that's where I can be weak. Right. It's almost as if he, depending on who it is, because I know, I do know Christians who have, uh, had struggled spiritually, and I think Satan does attack uh, in a spiritual sense as well. But he tends to, to lean more towards our fleshy desires. Uh, so the desire to have friends, the desire to be with people, the desire to to move forward or not dwell on the past, and you know, all these things that would normally create our uh, help build 
our mental status or where we are mentally uh, and emotionally. So, you know, I agree with you on that. Uh, and I think it's clear that obviously Satan does attack our spiritual selves, you know, at times, depending on where we're at, because obviously emotionally uh, it can weaken our spirit as well if we allow it to. Uh, or too much sin can weaken the spirit, weaken the Holy Spirit. God tells, tells us very clearly, uh, or the Bible tells us very clearly to be careful about our sin because the more we sin, the more we dampen the Holy Spirit and right. we actually, he starts to pull away from us. Not that he leaves us, but he starts to move away from us and we have to hold on tight. We can't just think, oh, God will never let me go because it's true, but we can let go of God. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, so that is something that, you know, I agree with you and that's something we need to think be careful of as Christians. Um, and for those of you out there listening who aren't Christian, it's something you should think about just as human beings about, you know, there, there is this battle and there is this uh, spiritual warfare that you need to be careful of and think about. Um, but w- when it comes to just the spiritual warfare, when it comes to the mental disorders, we have uh, many friends in our circle of life here uh, who, who believe that, Mental illness can simply be cured uh, by prayer and by exorcism, and that medication in and of itself is useless and is even perhaps manufactured by the devil himself. Uh, <laughs> we've had I've many, heard those things. <laughs> yes, we've had many arguments about this on the show over yeah. the past, throughout the past. Uh, but what are your thoughts on that? Because you know, everyone seems that we talk to seem to lean towards the spiritual warfare as opposed to you know, relying somewhat on medication or allowing uh, human things to help heal us. I mean, what, what do you think? Okay. Well, I, well, let me just speak to the to the medications yeah. right off. I one of your guests previously, I believe, about a year ago or so, said that psychotropic medications change how you think. That is a common stigma, and it is absolutely false. It's not that medications change how we think, and it's not that they necessarily change how we feel in, the, in so much as they balance out what is disordered. Mm-hmm. So we can actually become our real selves. Now, there are problems with medications. It's a science. Science is not perfect. Um, doctors are not perfect. And for some people, unfortunately, it's very difficult to find that balance. However, medication for Something like, uh, I, I guess I shouldn't say the percentage, but it's a high percentage of people who struggle with depression and other mental illnesses are given a much more satisfying life as a result of medications. Now, when I say medications, I don't mean they just feel oh so happy and calm and ain't life great. That's not what I'm talking about because you can be on medications and be completely sorrowful. You can be on medications and be very, very happy. You can be on medications and have just the regular daily life that everyone else has. Medications don't change how you think. They make you, it may, they make it possible for you to find, um, to have, to have that balance in the chemi- chemically as well as I don't understand all the science about the neurons and everything else, but I just know that they are not Miracle workers, they're not spiritual workers. So in the same way that we might take an Advil for a sore back or something, it's it's not the spiritual world, the powers that be, that are making psychotropic medications work for us. And I'll give you a couple of examples. 
If we're going to say that emotions are affected by psychotropic medications and that the emotions we feel supposedly as a result of psychotropic medications are wrong or demonic in some way, then what about all of our other emotions? We can't, we can't just write off emotions and say, well, if, if you feel anything, you must be feeling some sort of spiritual warfare. We feel because God blessed us with emotions. And emotions often teach us what we need to know about a certain situation. For me personally, I had to learn through some very severe, deep emotions how it is that God actually appears in my life and, and what, what it is that he wants me to, to be, you know, for, for him and in him. I can't see how a medication who helps me to not go to the deep end every day <laughs> is possibly a devil thing when it draws me to God. Now, the medication, of course, itself is not drawing me to God, but it gives me that opportunity to move beyond something, you know, my brain is trying to do to being my actual self, who is someone who worships and loves the Lord. Mm-hmm. There's also a uh, comment that I've heard that, well, I guess I've already answered that, 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 that these medications can make us unable to think clearly, like we just become zombies and robots or whatever. Mm-hmm. And again, I cannot speak to dosages and how well doctors um, balance everything, but I know that that is not the case. And like I said, it, it gives me and others, many, many others, the ability to think more clearly. It was... Um, yeah, so it's kind of a it's it's a stigma out there, haven't you heard it? Where the pills are kind of like happy pills, and right. people will mockingly say, "Take a pill, you know, get over your mood or whatever." Yeah, take your and chill pill. And that's just simply not not <laughs> how it actually works, right? Yeah. Right, right. I mean, and, you know, I do hear f- stories from uh, friends. Uh, I, I have one friend in particular who's actually schizophrenic, and so he's on medication, but he hates being on the medication because it does give him uh, it, it makes him feel almost zombie-like, just as you mentioned. It does do that. Uh, and they give him a pretty high pres- uh, prescription. But even though it makes him feel a little more relaxed, it doesn't actually change his thinking. You know, it doesn't right. force him to think something else. He's still capable of thinking about whatever he wants to think about and have a normal conversation. But it does make his body feel a little just sluggish, if you will, you know. Yeah. Uh and, and I think, and I see what you're saying, and it, that makes sense, you know, because as far as I know, and I'm not talking about, you know, like drugs, you know, like weed and, you right. know, a number of those other things. Um, right. Those obviously will have a psychological effect. But medications that are meant to help somebody move on or somebody to live their life normal, you know, that stuff's not going to hurt your thinking. I do have, I have severe obsessive compulsive disorder. I'm sorry to hear that. So, by the way. Uh, yeah, you know it's it's a tough, but hey. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That God sometimes know. allows things, but uh, He does, and we learn to deal. But it's yeah. still not the best. So. <laughs> um, but you know, and one thing I've tried explaining uh, on this show in the past is that OCD is actually a chemical imbalance in the in the brain, and so the medication which. There's no medication specifically for obsessive compulsive disorder. They usually just treat it with antidepressants. Uh, but that is antidepressants help to uh, get the chemical, which is lacking in the brain, 
to be produced again. It gets it to be produced again. Right. And it, as a result, it allows you to function. It allows you to not have these these uh, this backdoor thinking, if you will. Uh, the mind usually has a filter for most for most people. Mind doesn't. So I think things that most people wouldn't think. And they're some of the most horrific things, you know, and it makes me think, oh, gosh, if I just thought that that might come true and I have to do stuff to try to fix it, you know, flipping yes. lights on and off or washing my hands a billion times, things like that. Yes. Uh, and these medications, you know, they they worked. They were very helpful. You know, I took them uh, both as a Christian and as a non-Christian and they worked both times. I was able to think, able to make my own decisions. Uh, the only thing that changed was I didn't have these bad thoughts or if I did. It didn't affect me. I just kind of let it go, and that was it. Moved on with my day. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's nice to hear somebody kind of join us in our point of view uh, and understanding <laughs> of medication because it's difficult sometimes. <laughs> but uh, well, I have I have two things to interject here. One is if okay. you think about diabetes, and then someone is prescribed insulin. They can take that insulin, and it's going to help them balance their blood sugar. It's not going to stop them from eating a candy bar. Right. If you're if you're going to take insulin and you decide to ignore your your health, you're allowed to do that. And I would say the same is true of psychiatric medications in the sense that you can take them and then choose to focus on negative things. Still, you can take them and choose to stay in an abusive relationship that that is destroying you. You can take them and and refuse to comply with counseling or other things that help them work. And so on and so forth. So there's nothing magical about medications, only that they give you the opportunity to use your own mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I also um, wanted to mention that if we have a demonic issue, a pill's not going to fix it. Right. We right. It's not going to change our spiritual heart. It's not going to change our faith. And... It's it's impossible to see how, <laughs> you know, if a, if a demon wants to oppress us, and and they do, they tempt us all the time. Um, but if they want to oppress us and make life difficult, uh, it's it's not going to be a pill. It's going to make them go away. Right, mm -hmm. right. I agree. And you know, one thing that uh, Eric had brought up is the the chemical imbalance. When my psyche, uh, psychiatrist had diagnosed me he says you have depression but it's a chemical imbalance because when you say depression uh schizophrenia all these other things it's basically a label kind of like a degrading label in a sense because then you're labeled as this thing and not a medical diagnosis so i think psychiatrists doctors should all take that step and say this is the the reason you're having depression, not you're you're depressed. <laughs> so you know, you know, we have periods of time where we actually are depressed, but I prefer to say I live with major depression. Yeah. It is it is something that I have. It's not who I am. Right. And I believe the same is true with you with OCD. You have OCD. You not you're not a walking specimen of OCD. That's not. <laughs> The whole entire being of well, well, I would interject right. here, but, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the the one thing is, is you know, I I've seen Eric's struggle, you know, firsthand. We came became very close, especially after I had gotten divorced and moved back to Ohio. And actually, depression is supposedly 
what collapsed my marriage, according to my ex-wife. But, um, you know, one thing that I had decided a long time ago was I had gotten back on medication at that point because she gave me the ultimatum, get on medication or we're getting divorced, which we ended up getting divorced anyways. But, you know, I had decided at that point that, you know, I couldn't do this without medication. But I'm also in the firm belief that there are people that can't. I still struggle yes. with depression. I still struggle with uh, thoughts of suicide, thoughts of hurting myself. But I don't act on those things. And it is a trigger mechanism depending on parts of my life that are going on that sure. makes it get worse. Um, one thing that... I am grateful for is like Eric said that you're coming from it from a point of there is a difference and that um I like I said earlier I I think that most people will think that God well here, let me phrase it this way I've had a lot of people say God doesn't make mistakes and I agree God doesn't make mistakes but at some point God kind of steps out of the equation and humanity takes over. And I think that's where the the huge difference is. God does not make mistakes, but humanity has. And yes. that's where all these diseases and all these different things come from that we we're not in the garden of Eden anymore. We're we're exposed right. to everything that the world has to offer. Right, it's a fallen world and all kinds of things are direct results of that and many, many indirect results of that. You know, you mentioned schizophrenia earlier. Mm -hmm. It Just as an aside, because I am not a doctor, so I can't explain this to great degree, but my understanding from NAMI, the National Association or National Alliance for Mental Illness, they say that schizophrenia um, is scientifically being studied as a brain injury, possibly in utero. And the reason that a child um, would not show these symptoms until they're in their 18s, 19s, 20s, whatever, is because that's when the brain develops and that's when the brain injury is um, most challenged. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that, you know, <laughs> if, they, if they decide definitively that this is what schizophrenia is, we're going to have to swallow our judgment and pride and we're going to have to stand before God and go, oops, I'm really sorry. I was terrible to those people. Because our words are so much like knives and we just throw around, around terms like, oh, you're so schizo or whatever. Right. And I believe it was a politician. Oh, it was that terrible guy who took over the um, in the White House not that long ago and he lasted like 11 days. I forget his name. But he wanted, but it, in part of his nasty speech, he was saying, you know, he's using schizophrenic like an insult. And it's, it's that kind of thing that is, that is so ridiculous because we have to be humble. We have to understand that we don't understand. Right. It's right. just, it's just not fair to assume anything based on bias, um, what we think we know. It, it it's, you know, these things are so deep and and studied <laughs> for yeah. for you know hundreds and thousands of years, and nobody's come to an exact conclusion. So it's time to just say, you know what, mental illness can be caused by any number of things, and we don't know what all those things are. 
Right. And demonic oppression and possession are caused by things that we don't even know what they are. We don't know what gets somebody in that position. Not exactly. And so we can have all these theories and stuff, and it's, it's just the, wise, the wiser part is to sit back and say, I don't know. In the meanwhile, I'm not going to point the finger at everybody who's doing or acting or believing or thinking something different than me. <laughs> you know, I'm not I'm not going to say, oh, because they have this struggle, they're lesser than me. That's right. pride. That's right. not that's not humility and that's not love. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that goes down another road too. like not just pride, but also judgment, you know, and we as Christians aren't here to judge. That's not our job. Uh, that's God's job. Now, there is a moment in our lives in which we should judge and that's simply to judge our fellow brothers and sisters according to the spirit if we see them doing something that is against the spirit and against the nature of a christian that's the moment that we judge and discern whether or not we bring it to their attention but for people who are not christian people who do not follow the faith there is no point in us judging there's nothing we can do about it you know Uh, we can pray for them we can talk to them but in the end they're still fallen creation just as we are the only difference is they don't understand it uh, and God is very clear that we should be careful about that, not to become judges. Uh, God will do that in the end times. Um, well, he's the only one that knows what's going on inside of all of us. Mm-hmm. If you don't mind, I'd like to go on and tell a little bit more of my story because it fits in right here. Okay. Yeah, go for it. Okay. When, when I was really suicidal, and I've been to that point a few times in my life, but when I was so suicidal that I was actually willing to cross that instinct for survival there was there were several things going on in my mind and i could i could explain those in detail some of it's i feel rather personal about but the the thing is that i was not i was not thinking for even a second that jesus was not my savior that he was not my lord that god was not god that my that that my faith was even questionable as far as, you know, knowing who, where I stood and who died on the cross for me and who resurrected. I was, I was certain of it all. In my, in my lowest moment, when I was ready to die, I actually asked God for permission because I thought, well, if this isn't going to honor him, then I really shouldn't do this. And my mind was rip roaring, raging, depressed. And I just, felt like oh you know go for it now people are going to say who was that talking to you was that depression was it the enemy i say why can't it be both why can't depression have brought me to the point of weakness so far down that the devil even had that opportunity it's it's not it's not just demonic to be depressed it's it's that we enter into positions of weakness and, and the enemy loves to take advantage of it but however anybody wants to look at that there's a, there's a strong argument out there that suicide is never a choice and I honestly can't agree with the never part of it but I but it can be I can agree with the majority of it um that suicide is not a choice I I I believe that sometimes disease takes you where you never expect to be however when when I came out of it when I realized I was alive and I was angry that I was alive I didn't want to be alive I tried again in the hospital and after that didn't work I thought I'm going to go home and take care of it and but as as things were going on 
God was getting more and more space in my thinking because now I'm on medications, you know, there's some treatment going on. My mind is starting to settle down and God is able to get in and tell me, you know, you should really doubt that this is something I want for you. And that's all I could do for months and months is doubt it. Mm -hmm. It took a long time for me to come around and realize and embrace the fact that God wants life, that Mm -hmm. he supports life and that he wanted me to live. It took a while to get there, not because of my faith or a lack of faith, but because of what was going on inside of me. It was also in my circumstances. It was also in my upbringing, the messages that I learned as a child. So we'll give this one example. I grew up believing because of my father's messages that a woman is worth what a man says she's worth. Do you carry that over into marriage and you've got submission to someone who thinks that they should own you and control you. You take that into the church and you've got people telling you you should be submissive to your husband. And it gets supported, but nobody knew when they were telling me that, that my belief was that I was less than males. That kind of stuff. We don't know what, we don't know who we're speaking to sometimes when we say things, when we throw out doctrines and theologies. It's all, it's great. We need to teach the truth. But we have to also understand that not everybody's going to be on the same platform as you who can grasp it and understand it. You kind of referred to that. So as time went on in my life and I realized that I really was less than and I had I started to put all of my hope on my husband, um, not all of my hope, my my faith in Christ and on my walk with Christ was very close, but it's very telling. When you get to a point where you realize you're not going to have the love from your husband that you want, and all you can think of is, now I need to die. There's no reason to be here anymore. So there was definite idolatry going on in that way. So there's a combination of all kinds of things going on, but it wasn't until after the suicide attempt, when I got into intensive therapy with, and, and started to learn about truth, started to be challenged in ways that I think, that I even realized, oh my gosh, I've been thinking all my life that women are worth only what men tell them they're worth. That had, that singed my understanding of God's love. That singed my relationship with leadership in churches. That singed my understanding of where a woman belongs. It singed everything. So you say, okay, well, you should have studied the Bible and seen the truth. Okay, I did. But when you have a filter that you don't even know is there or you don't fully comprehend, it's difficult to read a scripture that says God loves you when to you what is more real is shame. Or when to you what is more real than love is a a doubt about your purpose and so on and so forth. It's like there's this this filter And the Holy Spirit is the only one who knows it's there. He's the only one who knows what's in our hearts. So when we turn around and judge others for having a certain mood or an attitude or or even a a belief about something, we're stepping into the Holy Spirit's territory. He's the only one who knows what's going on in our heads and why. So we've got to take a step back. And I'm sure that over the years there were plenty of people who judged me for not being open enough because I was kind of a kind of closed off or or not being, um, I don't know, not being hospitable because I didn't have people over and that sort of thing, whatever. It it doesn't matter what 
anybody would want to judge me for. Jesus Christ knows who I was and what I was trying to be. He knows the heart. So what I try to explain to people when I talk about depression and faith is that at the point of the suicide, at the point of any time I've been severely depressed, depression is messing with my thinking, not my faith. I knew every moment that Christ was standing next to me. Did I understand that he was saying no? No. I had a lot of other things going on in my head. And there was also self-will involved. To what degree, I can't possibly say. And this is not something that people should pounce on and say, see, I told you. Because I, all I know is that at some point there was, I don't want to be alive. And there was some willfulness there. At other points, it was not that. So the, it, look at the complexity of it, right? We have the, we have the biology, we have the spiritual, we have the mental, we have the emotional. We have all of it in one package. And there's no way anyone could ever possibly say, what is happening to you is demonic because they can't see the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're welcome. I hope it's helpful. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, honestly, like as you're saying that, I'm, I'm thinking of a couple of people that I know could really use this episode to listen to actually in their lives right now. Um, so I, I know your words will definitely reach many uh and if anything at least some that i know and actually have a, a positive effect on so uh again appreciate you just you know sharing your story and being so open uh about your personal life um you know one thing i want to do real quick here is just make i'm going to make a change it might be a bit of a drastic change uh but in the emails between you and Justin, uh, Justin handles all the emails, but I happen to sneak in and read a few of them on the side. I, I usually expect him to, but most of the time, I'm the one handling it, yes. I <laughs> told you to keep those secret, Justin. <laughs> uh, in one of your emails, you had mentioned that you were listening to an episode where I was talking about lycanthropy. And you said that you would actually like to comment on a couple of things uh, that we were discussing. So if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Well, sure. Um, you you mentioned, like, I, I am struggling with the pronunciation, lycanthropy. Is that what it is? Yes. Yeah, yes. Okay. You mentioned that people think they're actually animals, and you were talking about that as a mental illness. Um, I... I want to I just wanted to clarify one little thing that I didn't think you were aware of and that is that it is extremely rare mm-hmm. we cannot use something so rare to define anything for anybody else it's a study in and of itself but it is so rare that they have actually found 13 um full blown delusions of this type since 1850 13 mm-hmm. so this is not something that you're going to wander on to a psych ward and, and find it, you know, this isn't the person standing on your street corner, etc. This is extremely rare. And nobody knows the real reason for it. Um, I know that I have met some people who worship animal spirits mm-hmm. and who have, who eventually come to believe that they are somehow that animal spirit. And that's unfortunate. That is sheerly demonic. But I can't speak to anything else because I don't know. <laughs> I haven't met those people. I'm not a doctor. I just wanted to make sure you understood that it is so extremely rare. It's not a good example. 
for discussion, really, in my opinion. Right. Well, and, you know, most studies that or research that we come across, it doesn't give us like a specific number for the, the mental illness known as lycanthropic disorder. It, yeah, I looked it, just, it up on yeah. scholarly journals and stuff, and I read quite a bit about it. And, okay. And I just thought one of the most important points to make is that how is how rare it is. How rare it is, yeah. Yeah, I agree, mm-hmm. and and I I think it really is that way. But most stuff that we come across doesn't say, hey, this is a rare disorder. You know, it shouldn't be taken into total consideration when you're talking about werewolves. But it, it is is out there, and I do appreciate you correcting us on it because. We only come across so much, so we even ask our listeners, you know, if you come across something that we didn't discuss or that uh, doesn't fit with what we were saying, please bring it up to us because we didn't find it. So yeah. um, one thing that I wanted to, to talk to you about uh, before we let you go is um, how you got into doing your ministry and what your ministry is all about. Oh, it's really a very simple answer. I have been in some sort of ministry or another all my life, and I have my my drive for just about any ministry I've been involved in is helping other people. So it was rather natural for me to start coming out of this depressive episode and to start thinking, what it is? Can I? How can God use this in my life, and what can I do with it? It was very obvious to me during support group sessions that it's very rare for people to experience the true support that is needed in their homes and in their churches and in their workplaces. So my point originally was to teach supports how to be there because I thought if I could teach supports how to be there, then, you know, then my, my efforts get multiplied. But it hasn't been the – there has been a lot of response to that, um, but not in the public speaking sense. It doesn't seem that very many people are interested in me coming to talk about how to be a solid support. So most of that is in my blogs and on my website. My – I should say equal – reason for wanting to go into this is to tell people who believe there is no tomorrow that there really is one and that we you know hope hides behind bushes it hides behind dead ends in the road and we think there's nothing else but it is there and sometimes we need counsel sometimes we need um some time to figure it out but it's there i want everyone to understand if I if I could pull anybody back from the moment that they're thinking of taking their lives, even if it's just one person, my life will have been worthwhile. All right. Well, we are closing in on the end of the show here. So what we want to do is just give you a moment here to tell everybody where they can find you. If you want to give out any phone numbers or any type of information, the floor is yours. <laughs> to mop or to talk? Uh, well, <laughs> Whatever you want to do, really. <laughs> I mean, nobody mops our floor on the show anymore, so. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, very simply, I'm so easy to find. It's alwaysthefight.com. That's my website, and everything you would ever want to know, and maybe more, is there. Huge resource lists on that website for addiction, abuse, 
and uh, depression, mental health, so on, especially suicide hotlines and stuff. Um, I'm still growing that resource list, and it's it's pretty big already. The um, it's it's a twice a week blog there as well that is very insightful in my personal opinion, because it's coming from someone who's been there and understands. There's also the um, the <laughs> um, oh I know what I'm, I know why I'm hesitating. Um, my books are there, and I mentioned to you before the show that I've turned my ministry into something from accepting an income to not asking for an income. So my books are now being posted free. One is there that is done. Another one's going to be done within a week. And then the other one soon after, I hope. And uh, they are going to be there for anyone who needs them. I commend you for doing that, by the way. <clears throat> well, it just seems like the right thing for me. Well, yeah, I mean, you you really have to ask, God, what... What am I doing? What what do I need to do? And I think you have done that, and it, it's super amazing, and I, I do commend you greatly. Thank you. All right, Nancy. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been really enlightening and a fun time talking with you. Okay. Um, I'm going to have you just hang on to the line for just a moment. But, folks, sure. again, folks, this was Nancy Verdon. I uh, hope you guys are enjoying this. But Justin and I will be right back after this break, so stay tuned. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 Kat. Oh, come on. It come that on. bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. Hey, Parafans, do I have a deal for you? The people over at Loot Crate are giving our listeners a 10% savings on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. Loot Crate is this awesome monthly mystery smorgasbord of a package that you get stuffed with different things from different genres, such as Zelda, Fallout, Harry Potter, and so many more. So to get your 10% savings, make sure you go to TryLootCrate.com forward slash paratruth. Again, that's trylootcrate.com forward slash paratruth and enter bridge 10 to get 10% savings on any new subscription. A creature emerges from his slumber only to be told he is a griffin with the name Achilles. The twisted mind of Dr. York Hampshire believed he could keep such a creature in a lab without consequences. However, bigger secrets are being revealed. What is this mad scientist doing with creatures and humans? The Legendary Creatures Project The Griffin by Justin Conciliar, available now at Amazon.com. Get your copy today before the lights get turned off on this project. Hey, this is Eric. And you're about to listen to the audio trailer of my short film, The Revealed, which is now streaming worldwide. Check it out at ericscareback.com, parachutheradio.com, and YouTube. 
The links are provided in the description of this episode. Start from the beginning. When did it all begin? Hello? Hey, kids. At Old Grove Church. This has led many scholars to question whether the God that we serve is truly omnipotent, omniscient, spiritual, or simply a New Age extraterrestrial. While others are led to question, are we truly alone in the universe? So, these dreams... They're different this time around. Folks, welcome back to Paratruth Radio. We were talking to Nancy Verdon about mental illness versus spiritual affliction. So we have let her go, but uh, we do have our little bit of post-show to do here. So we're, we're going to continue into it. So, so some of your final thoughts on on what she had to say. Um, did you did you agree with a lot? Pretty much everything she had to say. Was there yeah, any disagreement of at all? Of course, uh, you know, I, I mean, I didn't really disagree with anything because she, I mean, she really is just has the same mindset that you and I have on this particular subject. Mm. Um, you know, the one thing, uh, again, you know, we, we always tell listeners to, hey, if there's anything that we missed or something that, uh, maybe we say that is wrong or something to fill us in, let us know. Uh, and she did that. And of course, that episode that we did about lycanthropy was a long, time ago now i think yeah. it had been a couple of years i think it was least. about about werewolves and then we we threw in lycanthropy in there yeah oh man werewolves. <laughs> werewolves i i think it'll be a topic we we come back to at some point but oh, and sure i i do agree too that uh uh everything she had to say i i'm in, in agreement with and it's it's good to hear the opposite side because we have heard the the Christian side of it for so long that it's like, okay, there is another side to this, you know, maybe maybe there there is more to it than what a lot of people are thinking, right? So, one thing that uh, I wanted to bring up now that we are ending the show for the episode for the the evening. <laughs> Goodness, there he goes again, Justin. Herc! Hold on! Give us a few minutes. All right. Our hellhound's going to go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. He he's, needs his food. He's going to be ripping us a new one because that's what they do. <laughs> All right, folks. So we, we've come off the fence here. You know, Herc is getting hungry, so we want to wrap it up. So next week, uh, we are talking to Steve Hummel about his paranormal museum. And he had approached us about this, and I'm like, you know what? That would be the best for a Halloween episode because, you know, the one time that I had sent that survey out there, what does everybody want to hear about is ghosts, ghosts, ghosts. But paranormal museum that embodies pretty much anything (laughs) in the (laughs) paranormal umbrella. So... If you guys are into ghosts, cryptids, I'm sure there will be something for everybody in this episode. Uh, something that we wanted to bring to everybody's attention because I did hint at it last week 
we now have a, a official Paratruth artist who is doing graphic artists for our t-shirts. Uh, a good friend of mine, Alex, who took it upon himself to, to take the burden of, of doing t-shirts for us has come out with some really awesome, uh, depictions of what we were looking for. So if you want a t-shirt, check out our website, paratruthradio.com. There is now a tab for merchandise. If you want something other than a t-shirt, when you pay, just put it in the notes. Hey, I want this as a hoodie. Hey, I want this as something else. Or even email us first so we can give you a more accurate price of of mm-hmm. what you're you're trying to yeah uh, get. Exactly. And also if I if I may just uh if you do want something else like a hoodie or a hat or something like that, if you do email us first, which would probably be best, we can go ahead and show you what that would look like as a hoodie or as mm-hmm. a hat. Um and know that I mean some of you who might have already seen these uh these graphics uh, for the t-shirts they may not all look as good on a hat or you know on this right. or that so just something to be aware of yeah i tried putting it on a a cloth hat like a, a what they call a baseball cap and the one graphic you couldn't even see like we have one where we have like a fog behind us you couldn't even see that because the the hat was so light that nothing else came up except for the eyes and, and us. So, right. So yeah, definitely make sure you email us first because the, the buy, uh, PayPal button is just for the t-shirt. It will be priced just for the t-shirt. So definitely email us first before you order anything. If you want it on something else anyways. Um, same thing if you are a woman and, and you want a woman's t-shirt, it is priced for the men's t-shirts. I don't know if there is, is a price difference for, for the site that we're using. Um, so definitely make sure you email us before you order so that way you know what you're getting. Um, one thing that I wanted to toss out there real quick too is uh, definitely make sure that you're following, liking, subscribing anywhere that we broadcast. Uh, email us with any different ideas or uh, if, if there was a mistake that we made or there's something that you can add to the discussion that we had, email us about it. You can just go to the paratruthradio.com and there is a contact tab right there that will uh, send us an email saying that you're trying to get in contact with us. Uh, also check out Paranormal UK Radio Network, TMV Cafe, as well as the Fringe Radio Network and uh, radioandpodcast.com because we do broadcast an all of those different sites now. Uh, anything further you got there, my good sir? No, just uh, guys and girls. I'm sorry, guys and gals. <laughs> it's October. Yeah. It's fall officially, and it is exciting because right now it's the month that Justin and I are probably the most like excited about. <laughs> excited and except and for Christmas for our course. radio show. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course we we love the other holidays and stuff. <laughs> um. But there's something about Halloween that just kind of mashes well with the paranormal radio show. So, uh, but hey, it's October. Enjoy the fall weather. It is getting cooler. Go enjoy all the leaves, folks. Uh, but of course, remember where there's fall and where there's Halloween, Paratruth is there too. So just keep tuning in every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Absolutely. So until next week, folks, where you will find us, same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. This is.
History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.